welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I'm joined by Brianna Wu, the co-founder and head of development at the game studio Giant Space Cat. So yeah, thank you so much for for coming. I've emailed a lot of people uh-huh. and they're like, yeah, I'll come on after you have like three or four episodes so I know what this is all about. Like, <laughs> You guys, someone's right. got to yeah. help me out here. <laughs> That's not super helpful. No. no, I have a professional policy to to talk about this issue where and whenever. You know, it's just because it's got to be addressed at a certain point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Well, and that's why I decided to to start this because, you know, I work in the tech industry, but I don't have a following. I don't, you know, I have like 200 Twitter followers and I think three quarters of them are bots of some kind, you know. Oh no. And, um, you know, so I don't have, I don't have a voice. So trying, I do have a voice. I don't have a prominent voice. And so trying to get this started because people don't know what I'm about, Right. you know? And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm really, um, really thrilled that you, you agreed to so do you mind if I share a bit about how I got a bit more of a, a following in the community? Like, because I think just finding a voice is a is a fantastic topic. Um, yeah. The way I kind of rose to tech in the Apple world is, um, you know, Glenn Fleischman, who is the editor of the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, he was looking for female writers and uh, basically a friend of mine, uh, Adam Fields, uh, you know, recommended me to him. And yeah, you know, the magazine is obviously a huge deal. It's it's the best of the best as far as content goes. And um, you know, I knew that this was a really big opportunity for my career. So I wrote this piece about my company, and mm-hmm. I worked my butt off to make it the best thing I'd ever written. So and, right, is it that article? Um... Goodness, where you opened by talking about going into work um, on your bike, on your motorcycle, and yeah. the yeah, I read that not too long ago. Actually, it yeah. was it, it was really beautifully written. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank go you. on. Thank you. No, no, no. It was that piece, and you know that piece kind of um, led to me, you know, being the keynote speaker at a few conferences. It opened up the door to other things. So, I think for any woman that's out there, like looking to to have a voice in these things. I think it's it's really important that you you look for those moments you can kind of seize where you can kind of make a voice for yourself or make a reputation for yourself. It it doesn't happen serendipitously. Does that make sense to you? It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I've actually so, you know, Marco Arment started the magazine yeah, he what did. 2 2 and a half years ago now? About that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I thought about writing for it at that point because it was new and he was, you know, I don't necessarily know that he was had a dearth of writers, but I mean, I knew he was looking for them. And I just couldn't think of a topic um to to write about because so my my story of kind of coming into the space and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, we need to, we need to start, I need to start talking about this more is actually very recent. So I got out of college. I immediately started working for a company and, um, and it was, it was amazing. It was very cool because I was working with my husband, um, his best friend, and there wasn't, there wasn't sexism in this. It was a small company. didn't exist and then they started to grow and started to grow and add people in and I sat in a meeting 
where this guy literally said like three times, well, you notice that the only woman in the room is the one saying whatever. And I was like, really? Wow. And that's, you know, and that was just March, in March that that started. And I was like, you know, because sometimes, unfortunately, until it's in your face, yeah, you don't pay attention to it. And I hadn't. And that was my big, like, wait a second, like, this is not okay. And it was very much the same for me. If you went back and talked to 2010 Brianna, um, before I started my company, um, you know, I was, well, just be good at your job and people will leave you alone. You don't want to make too much of a fuss. And, you know, I really didn't identify. I mean, I believed in feminism in the abstract, but I didn't believe in kind of speaking up on it. And then I got into this industry and was subjected to a daily barrage of nonsense. And it just made me really aware of the inequality in the industry. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize that I, I have to speak up about it. Does that make sense to you? It absolutely. It resonates with me. I think that's why yeah. I, um, I have so much respect for you because you're oh. really... It's kind of funny because a couple of weeks before AltConf, I think, when Mm -hmm. my husband and I were really talking about, you know, me starting to do this and the logistics of the podcast and that kind of, whether I should even do it because it's like, okay, well, you're going to get rape threats. You're going to get death threats. You're going to get, is that something that you want to deal with? And, you know, we were just kind of kicking it around and, and he was like, well, do you follow Brianna Wu on Twitter? And I said, no who's that? And so, so he sent it. He's like, I can't believe knowing you like I do that you're not following her. And so you're really the, the first voice, um, the first really outspoken voice that I started paying attention to in the community. And, um, it's led me to other people, but, and then you, you know, the alt conf, um, your alt conf talk was excellent. Yeah, went really viral. <laughs> yeah, it, but it was phenomenal. You know, I, I had, you. I had my personal trainer like watch it um, <laughs> because I was like, this, this was amazing because she, you know, she's obviously also in a uh-huh. sexist industry, but, right. um, but yeah, I, I did my little bit of a part anyway. So <laughs> yeah, but. that, uh, that whole talk, it was the funniest story for it that, uh, going into it, I had, uh, I'd wanted to, I wanted to do a much more nuanced talk. I, if you follow me on Twitter, I try to, um, I try to be even as much as I can. And I strive for, I strive for passion and not anger as much as I can. And I fail sometimes at that, but it's always my goal to shed more, um, light than heat on the subject. Um, but for that particular talk, I woke up that morning and, um, it was in the middle of WWDC slash altconf. I was doing two two conferences at once. I'd been up every single night till like three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I woke up that morning and I, I couldn't get a cab. And I just said, screw it. I'm just going to put every bit of it out there. And I just, I went out there and just told it like I was. And I didn't pull any punches. And, you know, I definitely got a lot of, heat from that but i had a lot more women responding to me and saying thank you thank you for finally saying this um so you know i'm glad it kind of turned out that way well you know for me it was uh an excellent 
you said what I wanted to say in this this conversation that I was having with some some guys and also in the tech industry. And right. I was trying to illustrate, I was trying to come up with a way to explain to them, like, you made what you think is an, an innocuous comment, right. but it's really not. It's really, it's really detrimental to... Yeah you know, the way women are perceived, you know, yeah. society in society in general, and also, you know, in our industry, and where are we already have issues with this. Right. And they just didn't, well, well, he didn't mean it like that. Well, I understand he didn't mean it like that. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is we need to think about the way we talk about things. Because that's important. And, and you illustrated that and you talked about it so well that you know when I wrote a blog the blog post that corresponded with kind of this event I was like screw it I'm just putting Brianna's talk in here because you know she said it better than I I did when I was trying to explain it so which I thought that blog was excellent by the way I really did I really did and um you know I'm not gonna get into the habit of calling out public figures um you know publicly but um you said some things about Daring Fireball, they've bothered me for a very long time. Um, yeah, I've listened to every episode of the talk show up until this year, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, I think John Gruber is, he's such a good poster child for sexism in the way it exists. And I, and I say that not to say that John Gruber is a sexist, because I don't think that he is in the traditional madman sense of the word. Right. But... John Gruber is someone that, like, when they were going through the Bond movies, he would sit there and really talk a lot about, oh, well, this Bond girl's getting too old or she's too old for the part and would just have that kind of male view of the Bond girls. And then if you look at who Gruber posts to on his blog, it's almost always men. And then if you look at who he invites onto the talk show... Um, I counted it a couple of months ago and it was two women that had ever been on a show, one of which was his wife, right. you know, for half an episode. And like Gruber will sometimes comment on other things and you can tell intellectually he understands that women experience adversity in the tech industry. You can tell intellectually he believes we should be equal. But the problem with Gruber is he doesn't go to that next step and go like, well, what what part am I playing in this system? Right. Because the entire tech industry is men that mean well and intellectually agree women should be equal, but they don't understand how sexism kind of happens in 2014. Because right. it's not some dude chomping on a cigar, slapping the secretary's butt and you know, telling her that, you know, if she doesn't sleep with him, she's going to be fired, though that does happen. But the reality of it is much more innocuous. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost more insidious because it's so much harder to fight. Like, how do you fight a coworker that if you're standing there and a male coworker is standing there, he's going to talk to the man like an equal and kind of exclude you. How do you even begin to address that? Right. You know? Yeah. It's, and, and, and the thing is, there's not, there are a lot of, of women in the industry who could, who could go on the talk show and hold their own. It's not like yeah. there aren't, there aren't women here. I mean, right. they're, they're here. I'm, 
I wouldn't be able to, you know, that's, that's just not where my interest lies. You know, I like listening, but I can't speak to any of that stuff, you know, but there are a ton of women who, who could go on, um, you know, Christina Warren. um, I mean, they're just, we exist. Right. But, um, I do think you have to look for us because, you know, there are, there are some who are, who are willing to speak up definitely, but for every one of us in the tech industry who speaks up, there are probably three or four who just want to keep their head down and get their work done and don't want any attention to call to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I work with, you know, I don't know how much you know about my company, Giant Space Cap, but it would be fair to say, you know, the women I work with, Amanda, Maria, Carolyn, they, they all agree with this stuff. They all agree it's a problem. And we talk about this stuff, but they don't want to be a public figure and speak up to it for the same in the same ways that I do, you know, right. and, and who could blame them? Who could blame them? I get rape threats routinely. I get threats of violence routinely. I get harassment routinely. Two weeks ago, somebody wrote a bot to do nothing but send threatening text messages to my phone. And it's just who would step up? into that role. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, absolutely. it's tremendously intimidating. Yeah. Well, and it's like I said, when we were, my husband and I were talking about starting this show, mm-hmm. that was the first thing he said, you're going to get, you're going to get threats left yeah. and right. And I was just like, and I just kind of stood there and I said, yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and why is this the first thing that came to his mind? It's just, it, it, it boggles. It well, absolutely because boggles. he loves you and he cares about you yeah. the same way my husband does. You but, know? but, whoa, I mean, we've <laughs> got to change that. We this do. Is, yeah. And I think it's worth saying, like, um, my good friend Bridget, you know, she works with DevOps. She's a very public figure. She's unbelievably awesome. And I was talking to her yesterday and she's like, you know, I, I haven't gotten rape threats or death threats yet. I get harassed, but I don't get that. Right. Um it, it doesn't happen to everyone, you know, um, as best as I can tell the way I got onto this hot list was critiquing giant bomb in a piece I wrote back in January that was basically saying, I don't feel that the game dev industry's choice of game of the year is valid because almost no women are vote for it. And, you know, in an industry where almost half the market is female. If you don't have women voting for what the game of the year is, it just doesn't seem like a valid result. And I started it with illustrating a conversation that Giant Bomb had where they just blew off Tomb Raider in a really oblivious way. Um, And their readers took great umbrage with that. And um, I was shown later some sites uh, where it was, you know, basically a bunch of 4chan people like, deciding to target me and deciding to go after me because they were that upset. Um, And I, as best as I can tell, there is a subset of people who find it fun to harass me. Um, And they find it funny to send me rape threats. Um, So, you know, will you end up on that list? I hope not. It's really disconcerting, but you know, it doesn't happen to everyone. I hope, I hope (laughs) I I do. I genuinely, I do, but you know, if I do, oh, well, (laughs) just so, um, so Brianna, why don't you tell the audience who might not know about you kind of Mm -hmm. a little bit about you that way? 
Sure. That absolutely. way they have a frame of reference. <laughs> so my name is Brianna Wu. I'm head of development at Giant Space Cat. We develop cinematic uh, experiences using the Unreal Engine. Uh, our first game, Revolution 60, is about to come out uh, on iOS uh, in the next few weeks. And uh, if you look at what my career has been about, um, you know, I've been a politico. I've been an investigative journalist. Um but my game dev career specifically, um, when I was growing up playing games, it has always deeply bothered me, a lack of women in games. Um, you know, I am a product, like I was a teenager in the late 90s. And, um, you know, back then it was women as the girlfriend, women as the bimbo, women as the damsel in distress. So what I wanted to do with my company was to create an extremely narrative game where women were the protagonists. And we weren't perfect, you know, feminism poster children. We were complex, three-dimensional people with uh, flaws and good parts and are just basically human. Um, so I created an extremely animation-heavy game that is 100% about narrative. Um, you know, I run one of the few all-female game dev teams in the industry. Uh, my husband does work with us, but that's at night. He's not a full-time employee. Uh, and we're kind of, in the time since I've started my company, we're kind of held up as, um, in a way that makes me uncomfortable, like this, this, I don't know how to say it, like a poster child for women that develop games. Does mm -hmm. that make sense to you? Like, we're, we're known for that. Right. Well, I think because it's, it's so, I mean, rare isn't even accurate, right? It's, yeah. it's unique. Mm -hmm. And I think also, so you've got the unique all-female team. Mm -hmm. You've got um, an outspoken leader. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think, I think people are genuinely excited about the game. Right. And so you combine those elements and you get a little bit of, I don't know, notoriety for, yeah, yeah. for, for doing that. So talk to us about, or talk to me, I guess, about how, um, how did you come to have an all-female team? You know, it wasn't anything I did on purpose. Um, and I have to say my story with this, I feel like it, it is very illustrative of how sexism happens in tech. So um, my first hire, you know, I put out resumes and started looking for someone to hire. And um, I met Amanda, my co-founder, and we really clicked together. And, you know, obviously as geeky, techy women, we, we clicked very well together. Um, but I never sat out with that position and said, I'm going to hire a woman here. I, I went through all the, the resumes. I looked at who could animate women well, and unsurprisingly, it was a woman that had the best resume. Um, so we went from there, and then we started looking at engineers to hire. And, you know, Amanda's looking around and says, well, I know Maria Enderton from, from college. Uh, she's an engineer. And we brought her in, and she clicks well with our group. Like, she was friends with Amanda already. And you know, so we hired her and then I needed a play tester and I looked at women I knew in the industry and it was Carolyn. Like I, I tend to make female friends in the industry being a woman. And I think this is what happens, unfortunately, with tech in reverse that I think um, 
men have friendships with other men. They don't really network with women particularly. And I think they hire who they feel closest to. Mm -hmm. So um, I do have to say one thing for our company is like, we're going to double staff this year. And, you know, if we can, we're definitely going to try to get some men on the team. Um, Because I think, I think games as a product are, are better when both, you know, genders are represented. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, because you talk, so I follow you on Twitter, sure. which I know you know, but um, so uh-huh. you, I follow you on Twitter. And that's actually something you've been talking about a lot, especially lately, mm-hmm. is, you know, these, a lot of the games, most of the games that we have now are so male-centric. Yes. They're, the, the costume designs are designed for what appeals to the person designing them, yeah. the storylines, yeah. the the way the characters interact with one another, the you know like Grand Theft Auto would would a woman have um, have thought to have a game where the characters you know do the things they do? Probably yeah. not. I mean, right. so well, look at the stripper mini game in Grand Theft Auto Five. Right. Um, this is a game. I'm so torn when I when I play games like this because Grand Theft Auto V is a technical masterpiece. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Um, the technical tricks behind it as a 3D professional, I see that. But then you have a mini game where a character is at a strip club and the woman comes over and bumps and grinds you. And the idea is to like touch her in private areas while the bouncer isn't looking until she falls in love with you. Now... Listen, we could talk on it. Like, it's just us here, right? Like, is that a turn on in any way to you? Or would that be for any woman ever to ever fall in love with a guy? Ever. Right. Is that, I mean, I'm asking you. Like, it's insultingly bad, right? Right. I think, well, I I think maybe there, I'm sure that there are people. So I I think about Mm -hmm. it and my, the movie I hate the most Mm-hmm. it's somebody's favorite movie right like sure, like sure. someone someone out there's gonna like it but i i don't think no from a female perspective i don't think that that's what 99 percent of women right what appeals to 99 percent of women so it's it's this mini game that's there that puts out these really dangerous ideas that fondling and touching a woman you know, is the way to make her love you. And then if you do that enough, she will come back to your apartment and have sex with you. And it's, it's, it's just this really disturbing gender dynamic to say nothing of which if you're a woman playing the game, um, you know, like, I'm not, it like seeing, images of sexualized women doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I think the female body is absolutely beautiful. And I think some of the most beautiful art are, are, you know, women portrayed tastefully. Like, Mm -hmm. I think if you look at a Playboy spread, I think it's done artfully. So my objection there isn't the the sexuality of it. It's the degradingness of it. For me as a woman sitting there playing it and some you know, I'm supposed to have this male gaze and I'm like supposed to touch a woman and it's just deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Right. And, you know, we're talking about one example in the industry and it's just another day. It's just another game that you play. It's not even the worst example I could name. So. Right. Well, and even games like, 
I, I love World of Warcraft. I play. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to play World of Warcraft. I don't have the time I'd like to anymore. But right. you know, you look at that and you look at you know, oh, I'm going to pick up this armor, and this is something that you know Blizzard has been criticized for repeatedly. Yeah. Is okay. So so the male armor, you know, it, it covers them entirely. There is there is no skin, you know, above the neck unless you have a no. helm or whatever. But the woman, the female version of the same armor, it's like. You know, someone hits me once and I'm losing my arm. Yeah. But yeah. but this is protective. And, you know, I understand from, you know, it's obviously not real life. It doesn't have mm. to look like real life. But, you know, I, I've always felt like, okay, there needs to be an aspect of realism to this. And um, we just don't, we don't get that. We, yeah. we just don't get that. I don't, I am not represented in, in these games right. visually. So. I, I couldn't agree more strongly. I mean, um, you know, for me personally, when I, when I design an avatar for a game, like um, I think when I played World of Warcraft, I did the the Night Elf um, because it was like this cool goth looking female character. Link, long and lanky. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm very tall and skinny. Um, for me personally, I... I think there's a lot of division for women in what they prefer here. Mm-hmm. I know for me personally, I like form-fitting characters, you know, like armor and mm-hmm. things like that. As long as it's not, God, just so ridiculously sexualized, there's no point to it except for the the male gaze. Does that make sense to mm-hmm. you? Like I personally, when I play games, I would not want to play a character with like big bulky armor. That said, though, I think that this has got to be 50-50 with mm-hmm. women saying yes and no there. And there are clearly many, 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 many women who do want armor and to be portrayed as strong and powerful. And the fact is that desire is simply not being made by the marketplace at all. Right. Yeah. I, and I don't... So the answer is to get more representation, right? To get... Sure obviously like a 50 50 split would be amazing Um, but but as maybe an interim step even getting more more women involved in game design and in in you know the artwork and you know that that would be i think a good good first step and i'm not you know i'm not at all saying that it's wrong you know the way the 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 costumes the armor is sure um, is designed but it's always like that i think it's always you like know that. it is it is and there's there's very little variation when i when i speak to this issue um my message is always very very simple it's get more women involved in game development and these problems solve themselves if women are writing the games that we're not going to be portrayed, generally speaking, as bimbos and girlfriends and damsels in distress. If women are creating the art behind it, you're going to see art and representation of women that appeals to us as we're like 50% of the market. And some of those are going to be, you know, maybe a little sexier and some of those are going to be a little bit more armory. But the, the point is like player choice and agency here. Um, I don't think it's realistic to expect, I don't think you can ever expect men to fully 
understand and provide a viewpoint for them. Um, you know, and that goes for us too. I think if you asked me to write a Gears of War game, I couldn't do that. Right. I don't understand Marcus Phoenix and like that brotastic Coltrane thing. I just don't understand it. I, I would be a poor person to write that. So I think the answer is just simply more representation. And this is where you really have to look at tech and games as a field and say, where is this going wrong? Why do women leave the industry in numbers that are three times greater than the rate that men leave the industry? And it's a really complicated, long problem. But the bottom line is sexism and harassment by men that mean well, but don't understand how their choices push us away. And yeah, we just simply have to start addressing that. So what are your suggestions to people? You know, I know that you you do talks um, uh-huh. and that you you talk to people about this issue specifically. Um, so how how do you recommend that they start taking steps toward making, you know, their workplace specifically in the tech industry more generally more welcoming to women? Well, I think I have two I have two strategies. The first is you might notice on Twitter, like if there's a woman in tech, I automatically follow her and I try to interact with her. And I am all about friendships with other women, advocating for other women, fostering professional mentorship of other women. And I think like the only thing that can keep you in this industry, which will slowly drive you insane, are these friendships. And it's like, I don't know you super well, but I really care about you as a person. I really care that you are in this industry. I want to support that you're in this industry. If you had a bad day, you could call me on the phone anytime. If you wanted a job at a place where I had a contact, I would go to bat for you any day of the week. And I would do that for any woman. So I think like among ourselves, we have to advocate for ourselves and, 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 and fight for ourselves. And I, I think that's so incredibly critical. And I think the other side of that is education. Um, again, sexism is not these guys sitting around chomping on a cigar, you know, slapping the secretaries, but it is men that don't understand. And what I try to do on my Twitter and my talks is just to share some of the female perspective. And I know I can't make them understand this viewpoint, but I can like raise consciousness even a little bit. And I think the more we speak our truth and get it out there, um, I think it has consequences. I think it helps things. Um, look at Eurogamer. The, the editor of Eurogamer came out very recently and said, I am a sexist. And he was looking at his actions and basically Anita Sarkeesian and others speaking up on these issues had had made him realize how some of his behavior was unacceptable. So, yeah, that's kind of my message, education and advocating other women. I think that's great. Um, I hope I'm not babbling. No, 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 no. You know, and part of the reason I I started Less Than or Equal is because I want to start start facilitating conversations so that we can, sure. you know, I, I would, I would be happy if this, if we get like an all female audience here. Um, but I really want to talk about, um, you know, all underrepresented people, you know, the, 
people of color, you yeah. know, the the gay community, the trans community. Yeah. I we need more we meet, need more diversity. Yeah. And that's what this is all about is let's let's start talking, well for one, let's start profiling people oh. who are successful in the industry mm-hmm. and talk to them about what they're doing. And then secondly, let's start start a conversation about how we start making this better. You know, I really struggle with this too because I I can look at what women face in the industry and it is objectively a better situation than say people of color. You can look at the percentages of people that work in the tech industry that are, you know, African American and especially African American women and they face a million times worse you know, they face this awesome combination of sexism and racism, right. you know? Um, and I have to tell you, I personally really struggle with that because I have to speak to my truth first. Does that make sense to you? Like, yes. I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a gay man in the tech industry. I don't know what it's like to be an African-American in the tech industry. Um, so you know, I try to foster relationships with people that are. I try to promote people that are. I try to want to speak on the issue to bring up the fact that it affects them too. But I also kind of don't feel apologetic about speaking to the experience I personally know the most. Does right. that make sense to you? It, it absolutely does. And I fully, you know, for less than or equal, I anticipate that this is probably going to focus on women's is- issues mm-hmm. more than than any others, because as has been so kindly pointed out, I am a straight white female mm-hmm. in the tech industry. And so, yeah, right. of course, this is what I know. But I also, you know, I have I have friends who are people of color and they have little girls. Um, all of my friends have girls. I don't know why, but, you know, right. they have little girls and I look at them and, you know, I think, I think, oh, my God, like you can do anything you want to do. Mm-hmm but we've got to make it easier for you. And, and so that's kind of where I I come in at it is like, yeah, we've got to make it better for women. And, and I am all about trying to do that. But I also want to talk about these, these other issues and learn about these other issues that I am, I I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, it's, well, let me tell you a little bit of the story. Um, You know, I'm not Asian, uh, even though my last name is Wu. My husband is Chinese. And um, I strongly love Star Trek Voyager. It is my very favorite Star Trek. And when I first met Frank, he was telling me how much he hated the the character of Harry Kim. Mm-hmm. And I turned around to him and I white-splained to him how awesome Harry Kim was and how he was wrong. He didn't understand the arc of the character. Um, in a way that looking back on it was very arrogant. And, um, you know, over the years of being married to my husband, I have begun to understand more deeply how Asian men are also misrepresented. They're always the nerd. They never get the girl. They're the butt of the joke. Um, It's really demeaning. Mm -hmm. And Harry Kim, even though I like the character, is someone that really suffers from this on Star Trek. And I tell you this story just because it's an example of where I was wrong. And I had white privilege. And I had to listen and grow after kind of being you know, wrong and rude about it. And um, I, 
I, I say that to point out that we all make mistakes. I make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. But where you show character is in evaluating your actions and thinking about these things and game changing. Yeah. Um, the biggest problem that we have right now is there's all kinds of sexist behavior in our industry, but the very word sexist is like such a terrible insult. It puts this, this person like this unredeemable category where they're just, you know, they can't be saved and it puts people on the defensive so automatically. And I mean, you know, my husband has occasionally said things to me and I've had to pull him aside and say, Frank, I found this a little sexist. Let me tell you why. Right. I mean, and he's not one. It's, it's, they had a little bit of behavior that we needed to talk about. So I just, I guess my message is the people out there that kind of don't want to examine their actions even a little bit and they want to tell themselves like, I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. I intellectually believe in equality, that's not even close to enough. It's not even a little bit close to enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm not that old, but I found that, you know, it's, it's a very rare trait, I guess, in my experience, maybe I'm wrong, but that people aren't introspective. People don't look back on the things they've done. People don't admit when they're wrong. And I think that that might actually be the hardest part of all of this is, you know, speaking to to that group that's that's like, oh, well, of course, I'm an ally for women. I don't, you know, I don't do whatever. Right. But they sit back on their laurels and just watch the world go by. Right. And I guess that's a problem I don't really know how to how to address because I can't, you know, I can't take you by the shoulders and say, hey you know, pay attention. This is, this is all about you and you need to be listening. Yeah. And, you know, so that's where, you know, there's going to be some bias coming in. Cause I'm sure that a lot of, a lot of your followers, a lot of the people who will listen to this, this podcast are going to be the people who are like, yeah, I, I know, I know this stuff is wrong. And mm -hmm. the people that we really need to reach, you know, they're, they're going to pass, pass you and I by. Yeah. And so, so I think that's, you know, that's the next problem is, okay, I, I firmly believe we need to start conversations, but then how do we get the the right people, you know, the people who need to act, how do we get them to act and, and, and start realizing that this is an issue? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I can tell you the little bit of the answer I've found so far. Um, it involves, it's not pleasant for them. And, and that's the plain truth. Um, I don't like doing it, but sometimes you have to straight up call someone out on their behavior. And you can try to do it as gently as possible. You can try to do it in a way that, you know, massages their male ego as much as possible. But the fact is, with some people, you just have to call them out on it. And this makes enemies. This strongly, strongly upsets men when you do it. Um, you know, app.net is in the throes of death right now. Um, I do, do you know what app.net is? I do. I have an yeah. account, yeah. but I okay. never made friends there, so I don't okay. use it. Okay. So I, you know, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but basically app.net 
has been turned open source and you had some engineers that have, uh, they're trying to save the site. And two of these engineers were talking and I called, there were a group of four of them that were trying to save the site. And I called two of them out on some sexist behavior that I will absolutely stand by all day long. Uh, both these people are sexist and do not understand it. Um, and they got extremely mad and they got really, really, really defensive. And as a result of doing that, like actually two of the four engineers ended up leaving the team because it like exposed this awful underbelly to the way these people felt about people and what they thought diversity meant, which was not doing anything. And it doesn't make me happy to have fragmented that. But at the same time, I think the time to just be quiet about this stuff is so... It, it was past it's time over. to start addressing this a long time ago. Um, so if I call someone out on this stuff, it doesn't make me happy. It's almost always with the intention of educating someone. But the truth is, a lot of guys do not want to hear it. Um, it also doesn't help that we're held to such sexist double standards. Um, I was talking on my account today how um, I was critiquing Hearthstone. And someone writes back to me and they're like, gosh, why are, you, why are you so upset about this? Why are you so upset? And I'm like, why do you think I'm upset? I can critique something, but that doesn't mean I'm like an emotional woman. That's a, a sexist stereotype that you're bringing to the table here. Um, like if, if Ben Kachera for Polygon writes an op-ed and critiques something, do you write him asking him why he's so upset? Um, so there are all these tools that are used against us in speaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I, what do you think about that? Well, yeah. no, I, I agree. And so it's hard, it's hard for me. So what I know of you is that you were, you were admittedly extroverted um, and that you don't, you know, you don't, you hesitate. I'm not saying you don't hesitate, but you're okay with calling people out, specific yeah. people out yeah. when you feel it needs to be done. Yeah. I am, I am the opposite. I am extremely introverted, like, mm -hmm. you know, as introverted as you can get. Um, sure. I don't, I don't like calling people to task. You know, I don't like mentioning names. Um, if, you know, I wrote a, a blog post about a comment that someone made and it took me two weeks to write it or a week to write it because I was like, do, do I call him out by name? Do I, do I just explain yeah. the situation? What do I do? Like it was, it was paralyzing. And I, you yeah. know, I ended up being like, you know, I need to, I need to put this out there. Yeah. But I think you're right. However, for people like me, it's it's paralyzing to think about, you know, how how do I how do I call them out on this in a way that is one true to my desire to always be respectful and to be as kind as I can be, um, but to you know let them know, hey, this is actually really a severe problem. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's hard. I think it's worth saying, like most of the women I know in tech are introverted. It seems to be a very common trait. And um, I've had to repeatedly tell like Amanda on my team, I don't need you to be me. 
I don't expect you to fight the battles I do. Um, you know, and that would be my message to you as well. I don't need you to address this the way that I do. You need to speak your truth in a way that feels genuine to you. Um, but for me, maybe it's being a leader in the industry, you know, like I lead a development team. I, I, this is what I do. Um, I, I feel the way I try to lead my team and the way I try to address this is with a combination of two traits. I try to be kind, but I also try to be very, um, straightforward and direct and assertive. And I think I, I definitely fail at that sometimes, but there's always that intention to kind of just have a direct conversation about it. I mean, does that make sense to you? Can yeah, you see does. that in mm-hmm. the way I interact with people? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so can we talk about Revolution 60 a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were talking a, a little earlier, we were talking about, um, you know, game development, character development and, and like the physical appearance of the characters. And something I saw you talking about today on Twitter was being kind of taken to task for for your characters' appearances. Yeah. Um, and you kind of touched on this a little while ago, but would you talk about it a little bit more? Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you look at the characters for Revolution 60, they are extremely tall and extremely skinny. Um, so let me also say I am a little over six feet tall and I'm a size six. So I'm, I'm pretty skinny myself and tall. Um, and very often the first thing people note when they see my art style is they're like, well, you're a feminist. Why would you, why would you do this? Um, why, why would you, you put this out there? And I just want to say, I think it's a very valid criticism. Um, and for the sequel, we're going to knock some of it back just a little bit. Um, as I said before, I think women are the most gorgeous art that exists. I really do. I think the female body is stunningly beautiful in the artistic sense. Um, but that said, I think we could do a little bit more, like, for instance, for the sequel, Holiday's outfit is going to be more of a Batgirl, like, leather jacket kind of thing, as opposed to, like, a spandex form-fitting suit. Um, so... I don't know. I think it's part of my own evolution uh, as a leader. Like I said, back in 2010, when I did this and made these characters, I was um, frankly not as enlightened as I am now uh, to a lot of these issues. But um, I, I make no apologies about thinking a woman can be can be gorgeous and beautiful and strong. Um, you know, I don't like how do you feel when you watch an underworld? Like with Kate Beckinsale, because I see her character of Celine and like, she's awesome. Like she's got this, you know, tight leather outfit out and she's kicking butt and she's so empowered within herself and she's such a strong character. I just love that. I mean, how do you feel about it? No, I totally agree. And, you know, I think that there's this, you know, feminism has kind of become a dirty word. Like feminism is, is for the, you know for the man hating, you know, women are better, you know, type stereotype. That's not, I don't think that's your definition of feminism. It's certainly not mine. Feminism is about women being able to express themselves the way they want to, to be able to work in the industries where they want to work and not fear 
that they're going to be, you know, harassed or raped or, you know, whatever, or just ostracized. Feminism is about being treated like a person. And so I don't think it's, you know, I, I don't take issue with, with the, the costume designs in Revolution 60 at all because uh-huh. it's about women wearing what they want to wear. And one thing I do appreciate is, yeah, you've got, you know, the spandexy suit, but it's not, you know, low cut, barely covering a nipple. No. And um, I think that's awesome. We and- took great pains with the camera work. If you actually watch a scene of my game and play it, ask yourself, what does the camera focus on? Does it focus on the woman's face? Do we want to show you how she feels emotionally? Or are we kind of working the camera to point out her butt, you know, or letting the camera hover on her chest? The answer is never, never, never. We go to crazy pains to avoid that because we love these characters as people. And I, I just, I think that intention is all of the difference in the world. Like, what are you interested in doing? What do you value about this character? And I think the answer is like, look, I'm married to a guy, you're married to a guy. I love men. Um, But part of who they are is they do see women sometimes as sexual objects first and people second. Like that's just evolution. It's wired into their brains. It's, It's just... It's part of being a heterosexual male. Um, for me, when I see a woman, I might notice she's if she's pretty or not, but I'm most concerned about who she is as a person. So I think like it really, the consequences of having an all-female dev team drastically comes across in the way the dialogue is written and the way it's animated and the tone of the characters. And I think um, it's my hope that even people that might prefer characters with more armor will play my game and see how our intention is always to write powerful interesting flawed characters so what's what's your elevator pitch for what revolution 60 is about uh it's well it's it's a deliberate mix of two games it's heavy rain meets mass effect um and the basic storyline is a orbital weapons platform has gone adrift over uh, Guangzhou. And uh, this special ops team has to steal a space shuttle and find out what went wrong. And a lot of stuff goes haywire along the way. So how did you get the idea for Revolution 60? I love 24. I love 24. I love that show so passionately. So... Um, For me growing up, I was obsessed with Sailor Moon. Um, I can, to this day, if you hand me a a pencil, I can draw a a perfect, completely convincing Sailor Moon for you that looks like it's from the original artist. Uh, And as I grew, I like developed my own art style. So I wanted, I wanted to create something with these kind of very beautiful, tall, skinny, you know, women. Um, but as adults, obviously, because I'm an adult. Um, but I also wanted something to capture the, the the ferocious tension of an episode of 24, which, by the way, I think is the most brilliantly written show on television. They get two characters that have completely understandable, relatable dilemmas and motivations and pit them against each other in a way where 
you totally root for both of them and you understand where they are and you both you know that both of them will do whatever it takes to succeed. Um, so I wanted to write a story like that that was a, a tense character drama, but with women, with really strong, powerful women. And I think it's a product that's never been done before. I mean, the tone of it, certainly not. I'm, I'm really excited to play. Like I've been, you know, reading like, okay, okay, Brianna, when are you, when are you going to submit this <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that yeah. I can, so that I can give you money and so that I can play it. Right. Um, and I know that, you know, I, I work in the tech industry and we've, I've had a couple of conversations with um, people, you know, my coworkers where we both follow you and they see that we interact a little bit and, and they're like, I'm so excited. And really? you know, so, <laughs> yeah. So when you, you posted yesterday um, that you'd yesterday or the day before that you'd, you'd submitted it to Apple. I like copied, copied the link to your tweet and was sending it, you know, in, in the really? chat rooms at work and people were like, I'm oh. so thrilled. So, um, so you've got, I mean, at least at the small company where I work, you've got, right. you've got some people who are, who are really anticipating being able to, to play. So, you know, I hope it goes well. I, I can't know, you know, yeah. um, I, I can't know, but I can tell you we've done, we have a marketing plan completely ready to go. I can tell you it's a good game. It is um, like when we did playtesting, our initial results for the game were so positive that the publisher that we cut ways with, which is another story, um, the male publisher we cut ways with um, didn't believe uh, our playtesting results because they were so unbelievably positive. So we repeated our playtesting with his pool of testers using his methodology. And the results that came back were, um, what was it? It was 94% of people, if I'm remembering correctly, rated the game as either a four or a five as far as intention to buy. Wow. And only 3% of people um, said they hated the game, would not play it. And, you know, we had some maybes in there. So it's, it's a game that people really respond strongly to. So what are your plans? I know that you've already got Revolution 62, you know, at least mentally preparing for it. And it sounds sure. like you've got some design done. So um, is there anything you, you can tell us about about that story that or is it too, too entwined I, in Revolution 60? I'd rather not get into the story. I want to let the game get out there. Okay. I, I can tell you this. Um, I have not been prepared for how much of a public figure I have become in the last three years. And it's really obvious to me that I've been put in this industry position where I can take more of a leadership role. Um, so one of the, the ideas I'm kicking around right now is um, I want to spin off a game journalism uh division of giant space cat and i can't run it because i'm a game developer and it would be a horrible conflict of interest but i am looking at raising the money um and finding a, a senior editor to basically solve this problem in games journalism which is women aren't games journalists right. we have no say in anything uh you can point to the number of women out there that are professional games journalists and you can count them on your hands uh, working for major publications. So what I'm thinking about doing is starting up basically a female version of Giant Bomb that's kind of more friendly, community-oriented content with, you know, women who are gamers talking and presenting content uh, that 
they enjoy. So, um, yeah, this is very much a project that's in the ground stages right now, but um, it's something I intend to, to found because I think if I don't do it, I don't think other people are. And I think waiting for IGN or Giant Bomb or these other institutions to kind of wake up Catch and up, understand right. they need to portray women, it's just not going to happen. And I think it's just like Giant Space Cat. We need to produce our own institutions. So... What do you think of that? Would I think it's amazing. That? Would you read that? Oh, yeah. I told you it. I am. Um, yeah. I'm actually not a huge. So when you pull people and you say, "Are you a gamer?" I oh. don't. I don't. I wouldn't say I'm a gamer, even though really? I am. If you play World of Warcraft, <laughs> you're a gamer, right? Yeah. But I'm like, I'm. A, I'm a former. You know, because because life. But you know, well, but why do you say that? What What made you stop playing? It's um. It's a time investment, and yeah. I've got. You know, I've got. I recently switched jobs and so I was in a, a demanding job in the past and you know I've been getting up to speed with my new job and mm-hmm. um and you know, now I'm starting this podcast and I'm also you know I've got a couple of other projects you know that I'm trying to to suss out and get off the ground and so I just don't I don't make the time to play games but you know I spent the last two weeks playing the last of us so <laughs> you know whatever but yeah um yeah. but I would I would read a game a, a, an a magazine geared toward women because, you know, I don't know, because I'm not in it, you know, I'm not inundated. I don't look for new games. You know, I kind of wait until I hear about them. That's how I find pretty much every game I play, you know, Monument Monument Valley, FTL, um, you know, The Last of Us. I actually watched my husband play about a year ago and finally was like, okay, I need to sit down and play this. Um, But but I follow more and more. I'm following these these people who are in game development, and they're telling me, okay, these are the games you need to play. And I'm like, okay, I trust you, so I'm gonna, you know, add that to my to my list of things to play. And I I would value that not only the female perspective on games that I'm never going to play, but mm-hmm. but getting a perspective on you know just games in general because right. you know. Grand Theft Auto, I haven't played. I won't play. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not interested. Right. Um. But I know. Why there are, would you be? Right. I mean, it's not made for you. Right. But I know that there are games out there that I'm probably missing out on. Like The Last of Us has. You know. Yes. It's. It's from a male perspective. You're. You're. You are the male protagonist. Sure. But it's such a beautiful story. Right. You know. It's, it's such a. You know. Evolution of of a character of a couple of characters, and I really like that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'd be happy to read and learn more about these these kinds of, I guess, story-driven games that that would appeal to me. I, I think the bottom line is if you go to IGN's, um, IGN's main page, uh, their corporate page where they you know, basically talk to advertisers, they, they say, this is the headline for IGN corporate, uh, Broverload, like Broverload. Right. Uh, Website 100% made for men. Uh, we're a website for men. And all of a sudden, it, it it comes into focus. Why? Who are the women that work at IGN? Okay, it's Lucy O'Brien and it's Naomi Kyle, who, you know, you can be, she's a former model and no disrespect for that. I think she obviously knows her stuff and she knows games. But, you know, if you look at it in that context, you have to say, why did they hire her? former model obviously Mm -hmm. um so i think if you're waiting for sites like that to create 
content out there for female gamers, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. So, yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. And I think yeah. now is a good time for you to do it too, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like starting starting this endeavor, you know, even five years ago, even yeah. two years ago would have been. I think that there are, are more and more resources available to people to publish in, you know, non-traditional means. You know, you've got Newsstand for iOS, you've got... Yeah you know, more and more options for publishing on the web and, you know, doing so in such a way that it's not as time consuming as it would have been from, you know, building things from the ground up. Um, so I think, I think strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. I think it's going to be, um, you're finding probably half a million dollars of capital or something like that. I mean, it's totally doable. It's just, you know, for me, it's, it's the time, you know, um, and this is where I'm really having to pick my battles more and more is like, does the world need Brianna as a game developer? Does it need her as a corporate speaker? Does it need her as a publisher? You know, and it's it's increasingly coming to the point where I cannot fight every one of these battles. So I have to be increasingly selective. Right. Speaking of that, I need to get to an Unreal event right now. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. How can people um, get to know more about you if if they don't already? Following me on Twitter is a fantastic, uh, fantastic idea. So there you go. Just come follow me on Twitter. Awesome. Brianna, thank you so much. No, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Okay. Have a great, great event. (laughs) I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All right. You can find Brianna Wu on Twitter at SpaceCatGal. That's cat with a K. And if you're interested in learning more about Less Than or Equal, visit our website at lessthanorequal.com. You can also find us on Twitter at less than or equal. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us on iTunes so that more people can find us. Until next time, on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.